listening to the Apollo Podcast Network. One. T-minus 15 seconds. Guidance is internal. 12, 11, 10, 9. Ignition sequence start. 6, 5, 4, 3, 2, 1. Hello, welcome to another episode of the Launchpad Podcast, presented by Clutch City Control Room, your home for all things Houston hoops. I am one of your hosts, Anthony Duckett, and you can find me on Twitter at A underscore Duckett. I'm also the site expert for Space City Scoop as well. And I'm your second host, Britt, co-host of Step Back Sisterhood and contributor at Clutch City Control Room. You can find me on Twitter at Britt Robatista. Be sure to follow the official Clutch City Control Room account at Clutch City CR. And if you appreciate the podcast, please do us a favor and hit the subscribe button on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you listen to your podcast. We would greatly appreciate it. So in the first segment, Britt, we, uh, we had quite a bit of um, uh, news that circulated before the Rockets <laughs> ever played a game. <laughs> <laughs> Such is the case with Houston sports, especially the Rockets team. Um, so we had a game that was postponed <laughs> um, because of several things, starting with the um, barber barbershop uh, gate. <laughs> uh, there was a crew that um, I guess they they attended a uh, a barber in a, I guess an apartment, and five five or six players um, all ended up getting a haircut there or seeing the same barber, for, you know. Um, and so we had COVID tracing was a result of the Rockets didn't have a fully healthy nine players last Wednesday against the Thunder. So that game got postponed. We still don't know. I don't think we know when that game's going to take place yet. Do we? No, most likely it won't happen till. So the NBA only released the first half of the schedule. So I think it was like the first 30 something games for all teams. And then they added a buffer room, which I, I'm pretty sure was on purpose so that in case there are events such as the Rockets, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> go ahead and uh, reschedule games around the time before they uh, scheduled the second half of the schedule. Right. And what I didn't get about that is like, why would all of them have gone at the same time to the same guy? You know, I it's don't like, know. And, and I get it. It was the season opener. So, you know, you probably want to get a fresh cut. You know, I understand that. Um, and a lot of these guys haven't played. I mean, John Wall, for example, they had, you know, Boogie, these guys haven't played in a long time. Um, so, you know, I understand they wanted to, you know, be, get a fresh chop, but it just seems like <laughs> there could have been a better way to go about that than let's just all go see the same guy at the same time. <laughs> uh, uh, so I have been giving some of a benefit of the doubt when it comes to that situation, just because it, that really can happen with any team. The NBA has created a substantial documentation guides slash protocols that teams have to follow and it has over 100 pages and has been added significantly more since the bubble when they initially had those guidelines right. but there's going to be things that the league doesn't catch as a result of having to create protocols for a 
once in a century pandemic that is happening and still happening right now, although folks are, you know, beginning at the very beginning phases of getting the vaccine. Yeah. Pfizer vaccine. Yep. Kaiser as well as um, another vaccine has been approved. But anyway, this is a a healthcare podcast. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) uh, Basketball podcast, but more or less the NBA would not necessarily know what sort of events could happen which need to be added explicitly to those protocols and of course since it's the rockets we seem to attract drama and other things for whatever reason um i think partially because the houston area had um because we're in texas and the gut well i'm not in texas but the rockets are in texas and the uh governor of texas has basically caused governors to not be able to enforce you know the guidelines needed to reduce the risk of covid spread across you know the entire state right there's going to be instances where there are inconsistencies with how certain teams handle things and the rockets when it comes to the haircut situation so slash barber that's what happened. So it, it sounds as though only one person or two folks got sick as a result of that. Um, that was Macklemore, I think, uh, yeah, was Mac- confirmed as well as KJ uh, Martin. <laughs> KJ Martin. Uh, so I think that it probably could have happened to any team. It's just the Rockets, tend, like I said, tend to fall into drama and that yeah. sort of thing. Right, it's like, of course, this team would be the, the team that it would happen to first, at least. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, but like you say, I mean, this is an unprecedented pandemic. You know, it, it, this is not going to only happen to the Rockets. Maybe it won't be because of a haircut per se, but reality is this is going to happen to several other teams throughout the season. It's just kind of comes with the territory of, of, like I said, this pandemic that's, you know, unprecedented. Um, aside from that, we also had James Harden was in the news as well. Um, in particular, this time he attended, it, it was a, a party, I guess it was a, a Christmas party. He was exchanging gifts. Um, he says it's because his homegirl's becoming a boss. <laughs> so I suppose that means that, you know, who cares about following the NBA, you know, COVID protocol? You know, I guess there are exceptions. And one of them is attending a, you know, event for a homegirl's becoming a boss, I guess. <laughs> yeah. When it came to that, so I guess just to give a little bit of context, I think I've actually talked about this last Monday on the pod or Monday, Tuesday on the podcast. I did research on this situation. Yes. I was informed by, or actually it wouldn't have been Monday because the party happened Monday night, Tuesday morning. So yeah. um, on to Wednesday, when it was first announced, a few folks on Twitter were kind enough, um, Rockets fans, to let me know that James Harden was found like going out partying, and there was this video that was posted on his um, friend's Instagram the promoter. Story. Yeah, his promoter friend. That was the one who was the quote unquote boss. Um, initially, I was like, oh, maybe, you know this was like an old video because no one could find like any other evidence to um, suggest what was going on. But then later on in the day, like no one was really talking about it. 
um, yeah. and then um, Wob, um, Rob Prez, who <laughs> tends to be very much, um, you know, he does his um, woke He's a detective. investigations. Detective. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So he brought it up and he was wondering why folks weren't talking about it. And I was in his chat. I was like, uh, maybe I should do a little bit of investigation. So I looked and saw that, like, you know, the. Instagram story was still up for hours, like at least 12 hours um, before it was finally taken down by his promoter friend. And then the other thing that happened too is that she didn't have just like that Instagram story. She had like 20, 25 stories that she was like um, reposting from other folks. So I was looking through those and then I found one, um, I guess maybe this is too much information, but more or less I clicked through. Yeah, I looked I clicked through to another person's Instagram account and went to their stories and then there was a clear picture of Harden with no mask, no mask. walking around this, you know, he, he may have been sitting down to eat for a little while, but it was basically a club and it wasn't like a standard sitting down location like he initially said to right. Um, I guess Adam Silver, according to reports. He said it was a seated dinner, which I'm not convinced I know what that even means. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it probably was, you know, he would probably was eating a little bit, but based <laughs> on, like, there was a lot of video of the location, and yeah. there wasn't really a lot of, you know, standard sitting spots. It was a nightclub slash, like, yeah. um, adult establishment. I'm not sure right, if right. anyone has confirmed where the actual location was. <laughs> Yeah, and then the craziest part about that, or well, that's, I guess I can't say the craziest part, but what I thought was odd is that, you know, Harden has never been the kind of guy to, you know, respond on social media, but in this case, he felt the need to, and he didn't realize, you know, he said something to the effect of, you know, that there's always something, every day is something different, you know, all I did was go to a party, or, you know, he said, not a strip club, but and then that's when he said, homegirl becoming a boss, and he didn't realize that. That's also self-incriminating. You're saying, I did this. I was there. So then, of course, it takes it down. But, but I mean, by that point, the, the, you know, it was obvious, you know, once something's out there, you can't, even if you delete it, it's out there. There's always going to be screenshots or, you know, it, it lives on forever. So, um, fortunately for him, I guess we could say the game got postponed because the the haircut situation. Otherwise, I think I read he would have been docked, like, Six hundred thousand, like five hundred and seventy-two thousand. Um, yeah, 18, basically a paycheck or his, right, uh, right. his game check. Game check, yeah, yeah. Um, so, so, anyhow, you know that that was obviously it took all that just for us to get a game. <laughs> um, but um, I guess the good thing about it is that we're now past that. You know, we're beyond that. And the thing is, I, I've really been impressed with how Coach Silas has handled this. All of this. I mean. There's been distractions since he took over, and a lot of folks are saying, you know, maybe he regrets taking the job, which I don't buy that because he's been waiting 20 years for this opportunity. Um, and it's, it's the Rockets team, even – I mean, obviously with Harden, and we'll get into this a little bit later, but obviously with Harden, I think his team is pretty good, top three four, top three seed in the West without Harden, a little different. But I still think even if something happens this season where he's traded, this, this still could be a playoff team, but maybe bottom of the West uh, – well, bottom eight – but regardless, um, I don't buy that Coach Silas regrets taking a job. I don't buy that Raphael Stone regrets taking a job. But I'm really impressed at how both of them – well, we haven't heard much from Stone, which is kind of weird, but maybe only because Daryl Moore was always – you know, we're used to him always being in the, the media or always, you know, responding or, you know, speaking publicly about 
things like that have been happening thus far this season. Mm-hmm. Uh, but Silas has been a trooper, I mean, through and through. We even heard P.J. Tucker say, you know, he's the coolest coach. You know, he's been, you know, he's been calm under fire. He hasn't – I don't gather that – I'm sure that he's been bothered by these distractions, but just hearing him talk about it, seeing his body language, his energy, charisma, it doesn't seem like this has affected him at all. Yeah, I would say definitely publicly he has shown – the instincts of like a true head coach from at least the PR perspective. And then we're going to talk about the games a little bit later, you know, in the next segment, but on the court, he has been a tremendous coach. I have been thrilled with how um, Steven Silas has coached the team so far, um, both on and off the court and him having to, you know, deal with all of these distractions and yet, field you know um, I mean we mentioned the haircut gate and we didn't really mention that you know as a result we had seven players who were unavailable for the games the Rockets were actually able to play and won't be available till Wednesday of this week so for him to be able to get the team to focus enough to be competitive at least for one of the two games that have happened in the last week I think we have to definitely commend Silas. And then when it comes to Stone, I'm actually sort of glad that he isn't talking as much. I mean, I, I would be, it would be nice to hear from him every once in a while, but having, I guess it, it feels a little bit different to have someone who is more willing to do stuff in the background to improve the team versus having, you know, Someone who, you know, definitely was improving the team. I can't say anything, you know, bad about Maury. I'm definitely still a fan of Maury. But he tended to um, put his foot in his mouth, you know, speaking of which he did get fined because of a (laughs) – I would say accidentally. Yeah, which I think, honestly, that that fine was sort of silly. But at the same time, I understand that the NBA wants to hold folks accountable. But I guess overall it's nice to – you know, see that Stone is willing to do the work necessary to get things done and not necessarily need to, you know, um, talk about it. Yeah, for sure. For sure. No doubt about that. Well, so that about wraps up our first um, segment. Uh, Coming up, we're going to discuss finally some some, um, content from the games, what's been happening on the court, uh, starting with the – the Portland game, as well as the somewhat of the game that we that we had to witness uh, tonight. <laughs> uh, so stay tuned. And we're back here at the Launchpad, presented by Clutch City Control Room. If you're liking what you're listening to, please consider subscribing, as well as giving us a review on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you listen to your podcasts. We would greatly appreciate it. So, Anthony. Let's talk about the, you know, one of the two games that have happened over the last week that weren't postponed, like the Oklahoma City. <laughs> so the first game was definitely a lot more exciting, and I, I think we probably have a lot more to discuss, which is the Portland Trailblazers game. Of course, it sort of stinks that they, the Rockets weren't able to pull out the overtime win, but it was just – really great to see how well James Harden played and how Christian Wood played. Um, And honestly, the whole team minus a couple of folks. Um, What are your thoughts about it? 
So I also agreed. I, I was really impressed with how well Harden and Wood played. Uh, I mean, that pick and roll is phenomenal uh, between the two of them. Uh, they both they both had 22 shots. Both of them were very efficient. Wood was 14 to 22, 31 points. I mean, 31 points on 60, 64% from the field. Uh, true shooting numbers were even better, 65%. Um, and that's, you know, in the season opener, despite all the controversy and all of what it took to get there and all the players not being healthy. And Harden had 44 and 17. Um, Harden was also 75.8% true shooting. I mean, those guys, they played great. Um, we didn't really get as much from House. Uh, Tucker didn't play as well, especially late game. Um, I think late game communication between Tucker and, Har- and Harden seemed to seem to fail us there in that last play. But mm-hmm. uh, I was really impressed with Jayshon Tate. I mean, he's he's proving to be a solid defender. Um, and he's contributing in ways I think that the stat sheet doesn't always, you know, show. Yeah, for sure. I think when it comes to Tate, I'm probably the most impressed with him. Um, I mean, I know that this is technically his fourth season as a professional, although the previous three seasons he was in the, yep, in, um, in the NBL in Australia, um, most recently with the Kings in Australia. Yes. So I, um, I didn't necessarily expect for his defense to bloom as much as it has been over the last um, couple of games that we've seen him in a Houston uniform so far. His defensive ability has definitely stepped up. Um, One of the criticisms that quite a few folks were mentioning when they were reviewing tape for, uh, for, uh, for Tate was that his defense seemed to be a little bit lacking, um, especially when it came to some of the, you know, the games that he was at um, over with the Kings. Like he was a tremendous like offensive talent, but folks weren't sure if he would be able to step up his game on the defensive end. Um, So to see him showing growth from, you know, even last season when he was in the NBL to this season uh, is has honestly been a very pleasant surprise, at least to me. Yeah, I mean, he's got great lateral movement. I mean, he has some plays. He, he put the clamps on Dame Lillard, which is, I mean, that's, that's no small, you know, feat, mm-hmm. um, especially for, like you said, a guy in his first year in the NBA. Um, so, I mean, I was impressed. He played 37 minutes off the bench in that game. Um 13 points on nine shots. Also was really impressed with uh, Sterling Brown in that game. Um, He was a question mark for me when we signed him. I just didn't really think that he was going to be a big difference maker for us. He was really kind of a mediocre point shooter. Defense was above average, solid. But in this game against uh, Portland, you know, he he shot 67% from three, two of three, of course, Um, four of five, 80% from the floor, 10 points in 20 minutes. You know, um, that was that's solid contributions, um, especially considering who all we were without. Obviously, mm-hmm. John Wall, Eric Gordon, Boogie Cousins, um, Ben McLemore as well. But um, I mean, so overall, I, I thought those I thought they, they played well. Nawaba played really good defense as well in that game. Um, also, another uh, good move. I, I think that was from Daryl uh, last mm-hmm. season. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I mean. But yeah, the stars of the show were Harden and Christian Wood. They combined for seventy-five points. 
um, 17 rebounds, 20 assists between the two of them. And I actually really am impressed with Christian Wood's ability to, to facilitate a little bit. Um, I, I don't know that that's anything that he did in Detroit. I didn't really watch him in Detroit last season. But I'm actually really – yeah, and I get it. He, he's not going to be ball, you know, the ball handler or floor general. Obviously, when Boogie Cousins is back, John Walker is back, Eric Gordon is back. Uh, but in this game, we were without them, so he had to do that a little bit more, a little bit more playmaking. I was actually kind of impressed with that skill of his. Yeah, I, I think his general ball handling has been really great. Like, ever since his, you know, first and only preseason game that he played, um, you know, versus the Spurs, and then the, you know, this game especially, like, he his handles have just shown – I think definitely a definite improvement, even from his Detroit, you know, time when it came to, I think when it comes to Christian Wood, the one thing that is sort of concerning is his defensive ability. And I think that's partially due to his, like his current weight and stance. I think, you know, before we started the show, you were mentioning that he seems a little bit underweight. And I think that's just mostly something where he will have to get into the weight room and develop some muscle so that he can stand down some of these, you know, stronger um, centers and big men that he'll have to, you know, defend against. And I think that's something that he'll definitely have the ability to do, especially since we still have uh, John Lucas on the team and as an assistant coach now. So I like his offensive ability, like him being able to space out the court, I think that's going to be everything, uh, especially, you know, if Harden is, you know, sort of deciding to, you know, stay around for a little bit longer than he (laughs) initially expected. But him being able to spread out the court, shoot threes, and actually, you know, hit a couple of them pretty consistently is a nice sort of feeling to have. Yeah, It's just on the defensive end, I'm just hoping that he'll be able to grow a little bit throughout the season on that. Yeah, and one thing that will help some is, you know, getting Boogie back will help with that. Now, obviously, Boogie's not known to be a lockdown defender, but I'm just saying from a standpoint of, you know, Wood won't have to always get, you know, bullied around there in the paint because I think Boogie will at least do, you know, be doing some of that uh, post-defense for us. Mm-hmm. Um, so so that, that will help. But, but overall, I mean, that was a really, really entertaining game. I hate that we dropped it. Um, I think most people expected us to lose that game because of who we were, who we were without. But um, the fact that we came so close, and there's no moral victories. Um, we did come very close, which should be concerning for Portland, even though I know they beat the Lakers t- tonight. Oh, um, they did? Yeah. I haven't looked at the score yet. Yeah, it looks like they, uh, they, they, they pulled it out against the Lakers tonight. Uh, but at least in that game, Portland, they were a fully healthy crew. Um <laughs> And we weren't, and we still ultimately, you know, took them toe-to-toe. If it's not – I mean, that last play where – I heard Silas explaining after the game where, you know, he basically said, you know, I was trying to, you know, put the ball in Harden's hands and let him make the right decision, whether it's, you know, ISO at the top of the key or make the right pass. Um, it was clear that he expected Peter Tucker to be in the corner because when Harden drove, he drew in the other defender, Groco. Mm-hmm. Um, but – Tucker had already began cutting to the basket. I don't know why. That's why I said it was a communication breakdown because Tucker always, that's his role. He always is in the corner, you know. Um, Go ahead. No, I think the one thing that is 
I want to give a pass about <laughs> when it comes to that play is that the Rockets really didn't have any practices since Tuesday. True. Um, once the haircut stuff happened and, you know, there was the Harden situation that happened too, like they didn't have many or if any full practices with like the known squad until that Saturday. And that wasn't really a full practice. I think that was just like a walkthrough if I recall correctly. Yeah, so true. Being like lo- essentially losing a full week of practice when the other team had a game already since that time, I think that sort of would cause any team to have miscommunications when it comes to uh, the, you know, getting through the end of the game and finding that right, you know, move to, you know, win it out. Um, I-, I guess the one thing too is that I think Harden was assuming that. PJ was at the corner because he wanted the they wanted he wanted to win instead of trying to go to a second overtime because it really did look like he could have made a basket and then um, caused the game to go to second OT but I feel like he wasn't wanting to get to that position by that point yeah and one one thing um, CJ McCollum in that game I don't think I saw him miss any shots Mm -mm. (laughs) I mean I feel like he I mean it was like he was hitting daggers. I mean, he had 44. He matched Harden's, you know, production scoring-wise. And CJ is a good player. But, I mean, 44 points, that, that's not – that. I don't know if that's a career high for him. Probably not. But I'm guessing that it will probably be close to it. Um, that game, Damian Lillard, like I said, you know, um, Tate played good defense on Lillard. But in that game, McCollum was just money. He was hitting everything, it seemed like. Yeah, I mean, he was 56% at three, which is mind-boggling. I I think that if it was any other night um, and the Rockets had a full, you know, their full set of rotation players and starters, I I think the Rockets probably would have had a better showing. And to be honest, I would say that they probably could have won that game. But if CJ's shooting 56% from three and like shooting, you know, toe to toe with Harden, you can't really say that um, it would have been, you know, feasible. But at the same time, having, I think the, like I you know, said before, the one thing that really was positive about the game is that with nine players and essentially, you know, two players who didn't really play that well at all, which are like Broderick Thomas and Bruno, um, who probably should be in the G League at this point. Yes. It was very much an exciting way of you know, exciting start to the season, although the season should have started a couple of days before that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So that was a really exciting game. Like I said, I didn't, I didn't really know what to expect once it was announced that, cause we didn't even know Harden was going to go until the last minute Mm-mm. when we heard that he made the trip. So I didn't know what to expect when it came to that game. Obviously, like we said, you know, we're playing with a thin crew, skeleton crew guys we'd never even seen before. Most of those guys, um, so for that game to have, have gone the way it did, that was beyond encouraging. Um, and I felt like after that game, I started to say, okay, this is Harden's first time playing with Wood. You know, this ha- it has to at least be tempting to him. Like, okay, maybe there's more to this. Because obviously he, I, he knew without having our full, full rotation, you know, mainly Gordon, uh, Wall, Boogie, that's a much different game. I mean, we win that game, I would say, by double digits if we had those guys. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 
But now it looks as though Portland has taken that, you know, close win and now is starting to beat everyone. So yeah. maybe it, it looked like a better loss, although there isn't <laughs> like a great loss, but at least a better loss moving forward. Yeah, 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 the, it, it seems, seems like. Uh, well, that wraps up our second segment. Um, when, we, when we return for our final segment, we're going to discuss the disappointing Denver game, uh, as well as kind of more of the latest James Harden news on the trade front. So stay tuned. And we're back in here at the Launchpad podcast presented by Clutch City Control Room, where we're talking about the Rockets and our expectations uh, throughout the season. Um, for this final segment, we're going to discuss uh, some of our takeaways from the Denver game. There's not a lot of highlights uh, because of how the game uh, transpired, but we do want to kind of discuss some of our takeaways as well as the latest James Harden news because um, it's been a little quiet on that front, which is kind of concerning, at least in my opinion. <laughs> <laughs> um, so obviously this game against Denver tonight, the Rockets were um, – I mean, it swept off the floor. You know, the final score is 124-111. That makes it a lot closer to how the game really was. Um, but what were some of your key takeaways from this game? Like you said, there isn't too much to take away. I think the one thing I was excited about was seeing David Nawaba again. Um, he has definitely shown potential to potentially be a starter, especially considering that once again, PJ was sort of disappointing during the game and uh, Daniel House, I don't know what's going on with him. Ah. It's just like he looks like he's confused on both ends of the court and at this point he's in his fifth season I think he's entering his fifth season in the league and you would think that after the seeding games and the playoffs I I, although you know we all know at this point what happened to him um, during the Lakers um, series but he called it a mishap so let's just yes (laughs) the mishap (laughs) um, in Lakers are during the Lakers series you would think that he would come back more energized and better on both ends of the court, but for, I, I don't know, whatever reason, he just looks very frazzled. Um, it, it's yeah. really disappointing. And I, I don't know, I, I guess that's why I'm excited to see Nawaba playing as well as he, as he is, especially on the defensive end, because if house is going to continue to play like that, like once we have our full, you know, um, roster, hopefully by, you know, in the next few days, I don't know how Silas can have house start consistently. I I think he'll definitely give him at least one to two more games, you know, just because, you know, first of all, they haven't had their full rotation. They did a relatively hard back-to-back of Portland Denver back-to-back, which is, you know, pretty difficult to do. Um, And maybe he wants to see, you know, give uh, house a little bit more rope, but I'm excited to see um, if Nawaba can continue his, performance on both ends of the court and maybe um, potentially still houses minutes some. Yeah. I mean, so Nawaba tonight uh, plus 12, which was the best on, on the Rockets, uh, 14 points on five of 11 shooting um, five rebounds as well. And 31 minutes of action. Like I said, he was plus 12, which is, which was the best on, on the Rockets. Um, but um 
you're right. I mean, Daniel House, he he seems unsure of himself. Uh, I saw him on a few fast breaks where, like, he, like, got hung on the rim on a breakaway dunk, I want to say. Um, he, was, he was one of nine from the field, 0 for 5 from three, three points for the game. Um, he, he definitely he, he definitely cannot continue to play like this. And if he does, then he shouldn't be in the starting rotation, um, like we've said, especially with the Wilder playing well, Jay Sean Tate playing well. Um, there are other options to turn to for those. I mean, he played 29 minutes, you know, 29 minutes and he's minus nine, three points. That's not good. Yeah, um, yeah. And I think that it'll help once Gordon gets back. Obviously, those guys are going to cut into those minutes. But as you mentioned before we started this podcast, um, he started the season out last year kind of like that too. Um, he really seemed to pick it up in, in the bubble before the, of course, the mishap as he, as he referred to it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, but aside from him, I mean, Wood played, played fairly well again tonight as well, 23 points. Um, now, three rebounds is a little concerning for Christian Wood. I mean, 6'11 center, we need him to get more than three rebounds. Yep. Um, and, again, you know, last game he got 13 rebounds, so I'm not really as worried about that from this game. Um, it did appear that he got he, – I know he banged knees with uh, Isaiah Hardenstein late in the game. Mm-hmm. That that kind of made me, you know, hold my breath a little bit until, you know, he got back up and he kept playing through it, um, which, which, was, which is much, much better. Uh, Harden played well, of course. Not no surprise there. Thirty-four points, um, ten of sixteen, five of nine from three. Um, so uh, Stoyan Brown also played well again, forty percent from three tonight. Biggest thing for me in this game was that we were dominated when it came to second chance points um, by a margin of seventeen to four. Now I know that you know it, I, Denver is a team that has a lot of size. Uh, mainly because of Jokic, right? Um, Michael Porter Jr., Millsap, those guys are all, you know, six, six, eight, six, nine, um, at least. So that has probably a lot to do with it. You know, getting Boogie back will help help out with that as well. But the second chance points, I mean, that that margin that you know that that, that can't that can't continue, especially when we shot forty one percent from three tonight, um, and you still get blown out. You know, but again. Yeah. Not much to take away from this game except the fact that, you know, we did have some some positive spots amongst our role players as well. Um, but that's really kind of all that I really had to say about this game. I mean, Denver had seven players in double figures. Um, I think, yeah, I mean, all five of their stars had at least 14 points. You're not really going to win like that if that happens. Unless you get like a super Saiyan game from Harden, which you can get that. But on a night like tonight, that probably wasn't going to happen. Yeah, especially with them. I mean, they didn't get a full 48 hours of rest considering they went into, you know, uh, overtime and almost double overtime versus the Trailblazers and that travel with, you know, only nine players. I mean, I think the Nuggets, they played almost every single player except for one. Um, So they had their entire lineup. It it, it was going to be a up row or a, Uphill, uphill battle, battle regardless regardless of the situation I, yeah. I guess the only thing i'm i'm like majorly disappointed about is just how bad bruno had played i mean yeah. we talked about him a little bit in the second segment but he just like he had one good preseason game and since then he's just looked like a rookie still so yeah i, I don't know like he, 
I don't think once we have everyone else on the team, he's going to get much minutes or much play time. I mean, he wasn't getting a lot of minutes for the first game versus the trailblazers. When they went into overtime, he got, you know, very few minutes. And, you know, tonight he had the second least amount of minutes besides Broderick Thomas. He just doesn't look like he is NBA ready. And he's been in the league too long to not be, you know, taking another step into his game. Right. And especially when, you know, I mean, we 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 basically chose him over Gerald Green, mm-hmm. who obviously wanted to be here and who actually played well um, in, in training camp and in the preseason. So um, hopefully that's something that we can undo if this continues. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think probably, you know, once we're able to trade, um, you know, unfortunately, you know, there's the. Um, once we're able to, you know, get someone traded or some move so that we can get far enough in the cap or far enough yeah. below the cap to bring in Our Joe cap. Green. Yeah, we need to do that as soon as possible, yeah. to be honest. Yeah, I, for sure. Yeah. Um, but I'm hoping that, I, I don't know, maybe Bruno will, you know, improve a little bit more as well as some of the – other folks that have had some concerning issues, House and Tucker to a certain extent. Um, but we'll see what happens there. Well, speaking of trades and seeing what happens, what, what, are, your, what are your thoughts at this juncture about Harden? Because the latest that we've heard today, I think Ramona Shelburne, ESPN Ramona Shelburne said that there were six teams that at least made a formal offer um, to the Rockets for Harden. The latest news we heard on his from his camp was I think was was last I think it was it on Christmas Day no Christmas Christmas Eve, Eve Christmas, yeah Christmas Eve that he had added um, Portland to his list Boston to his list and am I forgetting another team No those were the two teams that were yeah. mentioned in that um, list that is. Yeah and you know when I first saw that I was like okay so I don't think that he's concerned about winning a title because I mean. I don't. I mean, right now Portland's undefeated, but I mean, I don't look at the Portland team and say, you know, what it would take to get him, or you know, yeah, for them to get him. I mean, would him and Dame Lillard be enough for them to really compete or contend against the Lakers in the West? I don't know, and I mean, I guess if we took tonight's game, which is only the what the fourth game for the Trail yeah. or the third game for the Trailblazers, I don't even know my. I feel like once we lost that game, the OKC game, that I lost complete track of how many games. Yeah. Everyone but, um, you know, the Portland, as you mentioned, they, you know, just won against the Lakers. So, but at the same time, the, besides CJ and um, Damian Lillard, they don't really have a ton of players that could be traded for Harden and are a need for Houston if we're trying to think of it that way. So what's the point of just trading one-to-one with a guy that, you know, um, Damian likes um, and CJ McCollum um, and folks have told me all the time that, he, you know, he really trusts him. Like why trade that for a guy that it would take a while for them to get chemistry? Um, that one doesn't really make sense. And as for the Celtics, I, I feel like that one by far, they ha- there's options where it can make a lot of sense for that team to make a trade. But, you know, after the, Portland game and even after the Denver game I feel the same way is that if Harden doesn't see that there's potential for this team 
and you know other teams like you know the Nets unfortunately they lost Spencer Dinwiddie and that was going to be a component of the trade if they were going to get anything which I feel like that was like a platter in the first place and now it's (laughs) even worse than that um the Warriors look awful though you know they just won their first game um but allowed the Bulls to you know score 125 points which Which I'm enjoying watching them struggle (laughs) (laughs) I'm enjoying watching the Warriors struggle (laughs) for sure um I mean, I feel like there's very few teams. Um, I mean, I guess Denver is one, although we just played them tonight and they completely, you know, whooped the Rockets. So maybe they're feeling a little bit better. I I feel as though the only way that Harden would be moved is if a third team is evolved. And if he's only limiting it to certain teams, there isn't really, you know, incentive for the Rockets to – you know trade him someplace yeah but I guess the one positive thing and a lot of people were speculating and I think they are speculating wrongly in the first place is that Harden looks like he's trying and wanting to integrate himself in the team even if he is still you know in the background trying to get himself traded so I, I think that's definitely a positive thing to say the least yeah, I mean, so that that's definitely – you're right about that. We've seen, you know, players in the past, situations like this, you know, the ones that come to mind most frequently is Anthony Davis um, on his way out of New Orleans and Jimmy Butler on his way out of uh, Minnesota. You know, Harden has been a lot more engaged with his teammates. He's talked about in post-game, you know, press conferences, wanting to make the players around him better, um, you know, wanting to – yeah, and he, I, I saw where he was asked, you know, what his thoughts on the team. He's like, you know, we really can be a good team this year. Whether he's just saying that from PR standpoint or whether he really feels that way, he definitely seems to be really engaged. Uh, like you said, that could be because he's – I mean, Harden is a competitor. You know, he like, and he loves to hoop. So, you know, I think when it comes to between the lines, he, he just loves to hoop, you know. So uh, – but, but it is encouraging that – he hasn't let the drama or, or the, the – well, I don't know if it's drama because he really hasn't spoke about it much. But uh, all the outside noise, I would say, um, really affect his play on the court or his level of – it's really building with his teammates. Um, obviously, Wall's not been there. Gordon – he already has chemistry with Gordon. But Wall, Boogie, those guys have not been there. But I still think that if he is going to be traded – that the so first of all, I don't really think the best move for him or the Rockets or any any team is to trade him right now. I mean, it's a shortened season, like you said. Um, the opportunity to build chemistry, you you do it on the fly, right? Not really the year for that, in my opinion. Um, but and plus, like I said, this Rockets team I think has the potential to be one of the better teams he's had since he's been here. Uh, obviously, the 2017-18 team was you know like none other, but. Um, I, I do think that this Rockets team is, has a chance with him to be really good. Uh, but aside from that, if he's moved, I don't really think there's a deal out there that's still better than what Philly would probably give us. Uh, obviously, Ben Simmons has his limitations, but the fact that the Rockets have won the young cornerstone, he's 24 years old, locked up long-term, um, all-NBA, all-defensive player. But the main thing in that package is that Daryl Morey, we know he doesn't really care about draft picks. We obviously need to replenish our draft picks, although we have been doing some of that with some of the moves, Roco trade, um, mm-hmm. things like that. Uh, I mean, if you can get Ben Simmons and, you know, three first-round draft picks, uh, maybe Thibault, even Ben Simmons and two first-round draft picks, 
like I said, if you have, if you feel that you have to trade him, and if you feel like it's becoming, you know, too much of a problem him being around, which we're not not at that point yet, in my opinion, and I don't know if we will get that get to that point because he, like I said, he hasn't really said anything about this. It's all been, I guess, from his camp per se. Um, but if you get to that point where you feel like we have to move him, I think that would be the best. Unless a team, you know, uh, a team that we haven't really heard much about or a team that, you know, just happens to swoop in there at the last minute and they have something better to offer. Otherwise, I would still think that Philly would be the best package if you have to do that. Yeah, and one quick thing before we wrap up. I, I think the w- one other positive thing that has sort of developed is that, yes, there was the uh, report that Kelly Eco and I think it was um, Sham um, – or. Sam Amick. I'm mixing up Shams and Sam. Um, But um, Sam Amick reported about those, you know, new trade destinations. But Harden really has been relatively quiet. And I don't know if that's a mixture of him, you know, traveling with the team and not being around the folks that are sort of like leaking the speculation. But there hasn't really been a ton of, you know, drama surrounding him winning a trade or actively looking for trades since, um, you know, I, I would say the middle of camp. So, I mean, that could be like him just like, you know, bearing himself down and wanting for the season to get through and waiting for the Rockets to do something. But it, it, at least it shows that he's not willing to be a complete distraction the entire yeah. season and that he wants to at least work with the team as long as he's around and available. Yeah, for sure. For sure. That That's definitely a good sign. Um, so we'll have to see what happens when it comes to that. But at least, in, like I said, in the meantime, does look like he and the Rockets are at least willing to give this a chance um, for now. So we'll have to see. I mean, we get updates uh, that change drastically, and then all of a sudden we start thinking completely different from reports that we previously got. So we'll have to just stay tuned. But uh, that's going to do it for today's episode. So if you haven't already done so, please be sure to subscribe to the podcast on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you listen to your podcasts. And if you appreciate the consistent digital and podcast breakdowns, analysis, speculation, and guest voices of our team, please consider clicking the link in the description to check out one of our monthly Patreon subscription options. As always, thank you so much for listening, and we look forward to having you back for our next episode of the Launchpad Podcast covering your Houston Rockets.